0: Nice. What do, you, what do you want to talk about today?
1: Uh, What day this episode is coming out? 23rd. <laughs> that's what you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what was the top of my mind as I sit here and quickly uh, get my notes document started. Live with Dylan. That is our guest today. Dylan, welcome to this quality program. I got to tell you, so as, as maybe you're aware, I'm... I'm an aficionado of fall, right?
0: I still, dude, I can like barely, barely hear you.
1: What? I'm yeah, like, certain. I'm like I'm hardcore about paying
0: it. attention. Okay. Jump out and back in.
1: Take two on this quality program. There we go. I, I got coffee you. this morning. Oh no, I have that too. Just brewed. Just
0: trying to stay hydrated.
1: Right out of my out of my New Zealand mug here.
0: Ooh. That Ethiopian blend is coming in mm. strong and bold with that smoky afterbirth. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, that's going to be – I kept that in the show.
0: Oh, that's, nice. I feel like you should have, to be honest. I should. I mean, I it's, don't, it's, it's there's pretty very
1: great. There's very little I take out of our programs. I'm like – unless it's totally something that should never have been said by humans ever – and is embarrassing or something that nobody needs to know. And was like a sidebar That's generally it. my two qualifications for that's removal. Fair. So nice standards. Your I typical, like it. your typical dumb stuff tends to, tends to make it. So, yeah, I have a lot of typical dumb stuff that I say, <laughs> but as you know, I am a, um, I'm an aficionado of the fall season, the autumn season. Okay. And, um, a couple weeks ago, I feel like we, you know, we started fall, right? right? We we got our first big rain of the season, and I was in full fall mode. I had my flannel, and I had my jazz, and I was, I, I, I am a fall boy. I am a leafy boy. I love their title. music.
0: Um, <laughs> 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 no, I'm, honestly, I'm right there with you. I am, as they say, a basic white girl because mm-hmm. I love all of it. Like, yeah. I, I'm not even embarrassed to say I literally love everything about fall.
1: So I'm having I'm having a little bit of a hard time during the transition here because the one thing I enjoyed about the summer was the super early mornings. Okay. And those are starting to go away now. And every year, like, I somehow have still not figured out how to uh, combat this. But um, anyways, it's supposed to be like 76 tomorrow or today, which is not fall. I don't know what the hell's happening. I'm a little <sighs> frustrated. Are you perturbed? We have this. We have this. This thing called yes, I am perturbed. We have this thing called us like a second summer, practically. Where you know we'll get the we'll get the fall right. Like it was practically on the first day of fall of autumn, if you will. And I was like, yes, please. I love this. Give it to me. Bathe me in it. I cannot get enough. And over the weekend, it was like hot. And I'm like, I don't know what to do because I wake up in the morning. We leave the windows open because here in the Northwest, builders don't believe in adding value adds called air conditioning. That's insane Um, to
0: me coming from Florida. Like if your air conditioning goes out, like you stay home from work and you get that solved today because you might actually die of heat exposure.
1: It's also not moist in 100 six months out of the year here. So (laughs) there's some logic to it, but. Because we don't have air conditioning, we leave the windows open at night, right? Nature's air conditioning. Hooray. But this morning I woke up and it was like 50 degrees outside. And so it was nice and crispy on the inside.
0: Ooh, I like that though.
1: I do, except when I actually have to get out of bed. That's fair. And it's kind of uncomfortable. So I am now bundled up here. I have long sleeves and like a fleeced hoodie on, knowing that it's going to be 74 degrees later today. (laughs) and it's making me kind of a grumpy person but okay. that has nothing to do with growing yourself or your business that's just a comment i wanted to make on the transition of seasons here in the seattle area um i guess we can really start the show now well i want to i, I
0: want to uh, riff on that because i oh please so you know how people have seasonal um depression
1: yes i know it's, it's usually thing people have.
0: related yes. to winter like people yep. usually get depressed and sad during winter I have the opposite. So like I enjoy direct sunlight on my skin because it feels great, but I do not enjoy the 98 degrees and 85 mm. plus percent humidity that is all the days of the year in Florida. I love cold. Like I am more productive when it you is cold.
1: A good city to move to then, I'll tell you what. I know, and
0: I'm so <laughs> not ready for it. Like I had to buy a pair of gloves the other day cuz I'm just like it was just cold enough where like i was walking to the office and i'm like my hands are kind of chilly dude like it's not even <laughs> like it's 40 degrees like max right now like this is insane so i'm not ready but i am ready i love it i love fires i love the whole like Huga kind of thing mm-hmm. um, I, i've really been into Hugo lately
1: Hyga, are you familiar with this i'm googling it right now so no h-y-g-g-e Oh yeah, I did not spell. Oh well, I typed H-U-G-A and Google Smart Enough to give me that the Wiki- the correct Wikipedia entry. It's Danish and Norwegian. It's a word for the mood of coziness and comfortable conviviality with feelings of wellness and contentment.
0: So there is no true translation for the word
1: <laughs> because a we don't have definition. That.
0: <laughs> but the closest is basically like comfiness. And so it's this whole idea of when it is winter in like Sweden and Denmark, people literally are depressed. (laughs) Like it's -hmm. terrible. Like it's cold, it's rainy, it's dark. And so what they do to combat that is basically this whole idea of hygge, which is, you know, delicacies. It's, it's, you know, indulgence. Um, it's spending quality time with people. It's like, it's this whole environment of like, coziness um and it's pretty cool it's like literally the opposite of what we do in america which is like bright led lights <laughs> go hard 24 7
1: it's it's like if umami was a feeling instead of a like a, a mouth a flavor sensation. yes yeah
0: 100 it's, it's yeah
1: it's and umami there, there of the books. body title so
0: so um i believe the author in this organization is out of denmark it is i forget the exact name but basically it's an entire like organization dedicated to happiness and the ceo of it wrote the book on Huga and was like guys here's what it is here's how to do it it's kind of amazing Um, and if you're at all familiar with some stats denmark is considered one of the happiest places or basically the people are considered the happiest people there's a lot that goes into that because when you when you talk to danes about this they're more so like yeah, we're, we still have suicide problems, and we we're still like depression and, and, and sad. But but they do approach things slightly different, which is kind of nice. And a large part of that comes down to Hugua, as far as I understand it. So kind of cool. But but basically, like it's hard to do Huga in summer because it's just hot and miserable, and you hate it. But winter, you can. You can have fires. You can have hot cocoa and like all the things, and it's totally fine. Like good luck doing hot coffee, which is one of my favorite things. In the dead heat of summer in Florida.
1: Yeah. When I lived in California, I did really appreciate the fact that it was sunny almost all the time. Like I did, I did like, I liked the, and having been away for, for, for a few years now, I think I've come to realize what I specifically liked about it. And it's like, I, I really liked the fact that it was bright outside every day. I liked the fact that if I, if I wanted to, and I often did. Just wear shorts and a T-shirt every day. I could. It made my wardrobe really simple, right? For for nine, ten ish months out of the year, I just wore shorts and a T-shirt, or shorts and a polo, and that was fine, right? It made it made my single life working from home brilliantly easy, right? Um, but, the, <clears throat> dang the the times of the year where it would get into the hundreds. No. Even with the air conditioning, like it was nice, but like the moment I had to go out and do something, I just hoped I didn't have to get out of my car.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, is people are like, oh, like Florida's beautiful outside the beaches. I'm like, yeah, but you don't want to be outside. So it negates the point, in my opinion. But I'm somebody who like I do like simplicity. Like I, I chalk myself up to a minimalist to a certain degree. Um, but I also am very much into men's fashion and like style. And that's kind of hard to do because <laughs> how do you dress well as a man? It's pretty much like a layering and, you know, it's not shorts and a t-shirt, you know? And so if you're into that, it's really difficult when it's super hot.
1: Like half of my wardrobe is flag and anthem flannel. And I am patiently waiting (laughs) for the day to, to be able to don those, those wonderful pieces of clothing on the That's great.
0: There's a lot of frameworks that, I like the follow that kind of negates decision fatigue. Um, one of those is like, <clears throat> I like labels cause I think they can work appropriately. Um, and I'm a millennial for whatever reason, we love labeling ourselves things, but you know, minimalist helps, um, this idea of it's called project three, three, three. It was started by a woman. She had MS. Um, she got into minimalism and then realized that. As she could reduce her like external stress, her MS got like slightly less bad um, and easier to manage. And then she created this project where she would take thirty three items of clothing or of clothings and uh, wear only that for three months. And okay, nobody knows
1: have thirty three items of clothing I could. You wear probably have month?
0: way more than you think.
1: I mean, I I do, but I a lot of what I wear is seasonal. Like, so like, like there's, there's a pretty clear dividing line in my closet of fall, winter, spring, summer. Like there's very little overlap there. So half the year, I don't even like, I don't know if I would have 33 pieces that I would wear regularly because like in the fall and winter I tend to layer. So I don't like, in my mind, an undershirt and something to wear over it. Like that's like one thing. Like, I guess I'm thinking of outfits more than units of clothing, which maybe I'm, That's part of my problem here is that, you know, the pants are one item, the t-shirts one item, the, the button down shirts, a third item, right? Like that's actually three pieces there. So in reality, there's only, you know, 10 things. So
0: you do it for three months because of seasons. Sure. Right. Like you're, you're going to have completely different setup for winter than you are summer, which obviously makes sense. There's going to be some overlap, but what's important is that like you take all the things that you're not going to wear for the next three months and literally put them in a box or in a drawer somewhere that you're not going to see them. Right. Mm -hmm. And and this is a whole idea of like a capsule wardrobe where everything fits with everything in your, in your capsule. So like I could go into my closet, pitch black, pick a top, a bottom, a pair of shoes and a pair of socks. And like, it's going to work um not knowing what i'm picking like that that's the whole idea and so a lot of people like this whole idea of having a quote-unquote uniform um like the traditional you know steve jobs (laughs) like black turtleneck light jeans uh black shoes um it's basically doing that but with the understanding that you're not steve jobs and you still have to look semi-decent as a human being so it works man i like it i like these little things where obviously you know me i like systems and automation and stuff, but. Being able to take a framework and apply that to your life is kind of cool. It's mm-hmm. no different than the way I, I I look at, like, you know, GTD as a method for productivity, right? Like getting things done by David Allen. Um, I want to basically steal somebody else's idea and run with it <laughs> because now I don't have to, you know, recreate the entire wheel, right? I don't have to think of, like, well, how do I how do I manage my productivity? How do I know when to create a task versus a project? Like I don't need to recreate that whole thing and be a a quote-unquote thought leader on productivity. People have already done that for me. So the Mm -hmm. the proverbial, you know, sit on top of giants, I'm just going to do that. But I do that across the board. I do it with, you know, my professional and my personal life. And I got to say, it makes life way, way easier.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I... My system is probably a lot less uh, refined, shall we say, but I do the way the way my closet gets loaded with clothes as they're as they're cleaned is generally new stuff is on the right, new clean fresh stuff is on the right, stuff that's been in there longer slowly starts drifting toward the, towards the left in each of like the sections, right? The pants, sure. the shirts. So by the end of a season or by the end of a year, I can pretty easily see okay here in this section this entire left half i never touched yeah so it makes it really easy to you know okay i need to make room in my closet like i start on that left half because i never wore most of it anyways so this you know it makes it kind of a trivial process yeah granted there's you know there's going to be a little bit of overlap and things like that but it does give me a really good starting point because i can't argue with myself well maybe i'll wear this someday if it sat there in that spot in the closet for the last year. Like I need, I need to get over that because I'm not going to wear it because I didn't wear it. And I went through an entire calendar year and it didn't move. So yeah. why is it still here? You know?
0: Yeah. So every three, so I do this, which is very similar. So I take the hanger and I reverse it. So I re- reverse all of them. And then as I put them back in, I correct it, right. I would put it in the normal way you would. Um, and then after three months, you just throw it on your calendar or in your to-do list plus three months. And then you go, okay, what haven't I worn <laughs> in three months that is in this season? And then you're like, cool, I'm just going to get rid of that stuff. Like donate it. You know, it's, it's one of those things like it doesn't seem like a big deal, but in my opinion, it is, it's important to have a clean environment. It's important to, cause a lot of people are like, oh, my, my, you know, digital life is like on point, it's organized, it's blah, blah, blah and then you look at somebody's you know personal life their actual working environment and it's just garbage <laughs> like i'm like dude how do you have the capacity to think when you have literal chaos and clutter around you like it's you you're basically just developing um an environment that makes it hard for you to focus and like it's it gives you low grade anxiety and stuff like that and so i'm i'm very much aware even though that i don't work from home you know anymore i still want an environment including the office to just be very clean and tidy and organized, and I know where everything's at, right? So now I'm not losing shit. Like the the whole like I'm, I lose my keys once a week. I'm like then st- like put it in the same place every single time. Like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why people lose their keys. It's insane. Yeah.
1: So what I'm what I'm hearing. So how how much how much of your your closet do you put down, flip and reverse? That's reference uh, every every so often. Flip what, it, and reverse they, It. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to do all of it. Like basically every three months, I would just reverse all the hangers and just see where it would go. I don't – that was easier for me to do in Florida because we don't have seasons. (laughs) So like (laughs) you know, really the only difference is I put on a jacket when it's semi-cold. There's like literally on Christmas, we're wearing T-shirts and jeans, and a lot of times you could get away with shorts. It's that warm. Here it's different. You know, so with me being here, I'm having to actually buy clothes for like winter. Like, I'd, I've never had a winter jacket. I have a pea coat, and that is apparently laughable up here. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, I would do it per season. This is why I like this whole like Project Three 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 thing. Is you're basically saying, okay, here here's everything for the next quarter or the next season that I'm going to wear, and then you can do that, right? That's why I like that th- every three months. So at the start of a new season or a new quarter, you would basically set everything up. These are my 33 items. Um, and then you reverse the hangers. And now you're going through at the end or the start of the next season and being like, cool, I didn't wear this. I don't like it. Right. And now you can donate stuff and make some room. It's it's crazy how you can take a, a person in half, half their closet. And it's, I love when people are like, oh, I just don't have the space for anything and blah, blah, blah. I always need new clothes because I can never find something to work with or, or where I'm like literally just get rid of half your half the stuff like you go back to the same 20% of your closet anyways <laughs> like literally just get rid of the stuff you don't use and now what's cool um, with this idea of a capsule wardrobe is. Again, it's it's reducing decision fatigue because I'm not overwhelmed when I look at all the options that I do have and now I'm trying to make something fit. It's like it's gonna fit and work either way. Like literally the outfit I'm wearing today, I I literally wore two completely different shoes and it still looked great. So you have two again, different
1: like, shoes on? Are you kidding?
0: I I don't have two different shoes on now, but I tried two different shoes on. Well, I got a new oh. pair of loafers and I'm trying to wear them in. They're okay. suede. Nice and like look they do my bastion. feet because they're trying to break in right now, and I considered not wearing them.
1: Oh, I love it! I love it, and you're wearing a sweater too. And it's going to be what in Boston today? Boston, the high is I like, like 75, I think, maybe 73. And, he, and he's wearing, but the a low is like 50. Jesus, you're already converting. Look at that, dude! I'm so ready. <laughs> I
0: love sweaters. Like I'm just, I'm waiting to get a chunky knit sweater. That's all I want. That's all I've ever <laughs> wanted in life.
1: That's such a Florida thing to do. Come up, north. I know, right? Ooh, like I'm just, I, I've been asking it's people, not like, 80 what is degrees. I better put layers on. Holy oh, boy, God, <laughs> <I know. laughs> get oh, out of great. here.
0: But uh, no, man, it's it's cool. It's cool to approach your life from this kind of – let me break this down because I've, I've been really considering what what is the perspective through which I view the world. Um, and I've had this like lingering – not project but kind of like thought the past few years. And I think I've finally put my finger on to what it is because it goes across everything in my life. And really, it's efficient living. Like that – to me is the the thing, right? That, that includes your professional life. It includes your personal life, right? So I don't want to live or work in an environment that it has a lot of friction in it. Right. I want it, I want my apartment to feel easy to live in, easy to get things done with. Same thing with my productivity system, right? When I'm at the office, um, I want it to be easy to get a bunch of shit done and me not feel like I just had to pick up a heavy load to make it work. Um, that's digital it's physical it's across the board and i'm trying to trying to unify all that into one idea which is efficient living um i'm getting there but at the end of the day if we had to sum everything up that dylan is into like automation all that stuff it's efficient living that's truly it's like living your best life without the friction that's what i want to do that's what i want to achieve
1: so this begs the question have have you – at any point, did you jump on the uh, the Marie Kondo bandwagon?
0: Um, I haven't jumped on it. I've played with it. Um, I'm more utilitarian than like, does it make you feel awesome? Um, I mean don't get me wrong. There are things that – like I'm not a sentimental person. Like my family will tell you. I have one – I have two sentimental items in my entire life. That's it. Like I, I will get rid of stuff. <laughs> and and it's not because I don't care. It's just I'm of the firm belief that your things do not hold the memories of which you think they do. That's actually – they just trigger them to happen and there's other ways of triggering those memories to come to fruition. Um, but – so I don't do the whole like spark joy kind of thing. I look at it more so does this fit with what I want um, – does it add, really does it add value to my life? Like if it doesn't add value, I don't see the point.
1: How do you right. how do you measure the value? Right now it's usage. Um
0: and I'm at a point where I'm starting to consider, and I've been doing research and I've tested this with watches certainly, but there's a different concept where you're not looking at the cost of something, that one time sunk cost, instead what you're looking at is the cost per use or the cost per wear right. So a lot of people will get like, like a lot of guys are that, that don't know how to, how to dress or shop because we were never tall as men <laughs> as to how to do that. Um, we'll buy $50 dress pairs or a $50 pair of dress shoes. And then be like, Oh, they suck. They're uncomfortable. I can't wear them with anything. I'm like, well, one for 50 bucks, you're getting crap quality to the design. You're not going to get something that's actually timeless and looks good. Um, but if you, and what's funny is." guys will churn through like two pairs of those a year. I'm like, you should have just spent 200 bucks, 300 bucks on a pair of really high quality dress shoes that will last you five to 10 years. So a lot of people go, well, yeah, but that's more expensive. I'm like, yeah, but you would wear it more because you don't hate it. And it lasts longer. So the actual cost per use or cost per wear is much higher. So I'm looking at things mainly through that lens, right? So a lot of people are like, well, you're such an Apple fanboy. Um, pc and android are cheaper like yes but i literally loathe it and i would not want to use it and i would (laughs) literally get rid of it quick but an iphone the hardware the the model itself i don't need every new model i wait for benchmarks i wait for things to come out where it's like oh that's a game changer now i'll upgrade right so these are things where i'm really getting my usage out of it right yeah, a, a Windows laptop is cheaper, but it's going to break and crash before my Mac is, you know. But, but people are like, oh, it's you get a $600 PC laptop. I'm like, I know you can't. You can also get an $1,800 uh, Mac that's going to last way longer, give you less issues. And fun fact, you're going to get more shit done. So the ROI on that versus a Windows PC, in my opinion, way higher. Way higher. So I look at stuff like that, right? Even like watches, a lot of people get into watches and they're like, Oh, I'm going to get this $300 watch. I'm like, that's awesome. But the problem is you're going to get sick of that watch really fast because it's hedonic adaptation, right? It's just going to become the next thing that you're, you're comfortable and used to, right? It's like getting a brand new car. You're super excited for two to three weeks. And then after that, it's just a car. I talk to people who have like supercars and exotics all the all the time, and they're like, "Yeah, it's just a car now. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter." Um, still grateful that they have it. and They're excited that they went through that because it was exciting. But the point with that, when it comes to like watches and stuff, is that you can spend the three hundred bucks on the watch, but it's going to depreciate to zero. Or you can spend two grand on a luxury timepiece, which is different than a watch, in my opinion. Wear it, enjoy it, and then. In two months when you get sick of it and want something new, you sell it for two grand. It is literally cheaper in a lot of instances, in multiple situations, where luxury items are cheaper than their cheaper alternatives. comes down to quality, right? Um, I mean, you see, if you're on Reddit, there's a bunch of forums and you see people that have literally taking their grandfather's high quality italian leather dress shoes resold them for like a few hundred bucks and they're like it's amazing like they're great <laughs> you know like literally stuff that that is timeless that lasts forever in some instances are pretty insane and obviously those those quality of goods cost a bit more makes sense you're paying for quality
1: yeah um, I- the the last pair of dress shoes I bought, I did I did purpose purpose buy them in that I don't I don't wear dress shoes like ever right like the last time I wore them was <clears throat> at my wedding and I needed them for a day right so I I did buy the 40 forty dollar pair of dress shoes and I was you know it worked for a day right like I I have they they're they're an item they remain an item in my lineup in my in my closet to to vaguely uh, quote Apple there for a second. Um, but I don't have any plans on wearing them. I don't really have a need to wear them, but I also couldn't get myself to, to throw them away. Right. So I can, I can understand both sides of it. Right. Like I have, I have some clothes that I've spent decent amount of money on and they've turned out to be really good. You know, I have some that I got for a, a good price, like, you know, like taking jeans, for example. Right. Like I have. I've never been able to spend more than $100 on a pair of jeans, but, you know, my scale has been like, you know, I have some $100 pairs of jeans and they've turned out fine. And I have some like $40 pairs of jeans and they've turned out fine too. I think, you know, I think the scale is relative depending on which, you know, pieces of clothing you wear, like their purpose in life and stuff like that. But I would also probably never go to Walmart and buy whatever they're peddling, just just you want the ten dollar pair of denim (laughs) yeah you know like i feel like i'm giving up too much there to to save money and uh, granted like there's something to say about like you you know you save enough money on on buying clothes right you could do something something substantial with that but i mean at what point are you just standing in front of your closet shouting toga toga yourself as you try to find which white sheet you're going to put on today like that's that's also a reference dylan i hope you got that Um, I didn't. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Dylan. We'll
0: we'll include it in the show notes.
1: Oh, Um, no. no, I think that's a good point. And this is why I like
0: the idea of minimalism because you're not buying a crap ton of all the things. You're just saying, no, I don't need 10 freaking polos, I need three. Well, if that's the case and you were going to buy 10 anyways, well, now guess what? You get to spend a little bit more in terms of quality for each one, but you're still saving more money, right? There's a big difference there. And what's cool is I was talking to um, a sales rep at Ministry of Supply here in Boston, and they like 3D print stuff. Like it's it's super cool, and they use – they basically have thermoregulation in the materials of – their clothing which is super cool like amazing and their polos are like 98 bucks which like to me i'll usually spend like 50 bucks on a polo but i'm looking at the the quality of material and the resiliency of it i'm like dude that thing is gonna last forever (laughs) like that's insane like it's gonna be hard to destroy that unless i'm just like actively trying to destroy it um but again i only need three polos gray navy blue maybe a light blue because i like it that's it that is it But again, if that's 300 bucks and what's crazy is like, I'm not just going to go get rid of all my polos when, when it's time to replace, then that's when I'll kind of upgrade. So the first thing I do is I figure out what's the optimal like setup for me. Like how do I like to dress? And then how much of each thing do I really need? Like jeans, one pair that's dark, one pair that's light. That's all you need. And to be honest, like those, I just go to Hollister because they're like 50 bucks and it's actually really good quality. Um, You know, so like I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to spend like two grand on a pair of jeans because because I can. It's it's figuring out like what's the best quality for the dollar and then like how long is that item going to last? Like to me and it is a sliding scale, right? Like it is completely a sliding scale Um, like dress shirts. I'm not worried about having a $100 dress dress shirt cuz I don't wear them that often. So for that, honestly like 25 bucks, but like there there are certain brands I will go to that I know will have a higher quality for that dollar amount. So I will do stuff like that. But I think it's I think it's important to understand like how you like to dress, how you commonly dress and then craft your capsule wardrobe to suit that. I don't think there's one way. Like literally the, the, the type of style that I'm into is vastly different than what James is into. Like James loves like street style. Like that's his jam, not mine, and mine is not his, right? So like it's hard for me to be like, oh, dude, you need to have like three polos. <laughs> like it's completely flawed. Um, So you figure out like what style you like and then build a wardrobe that suits that more easily. But again, you're just – you're not trying to have it be – I don't know, I man. I, I want it to be effortless when, I, when, when I'm trying to – I don't even want to try to dress nice i just want it to be effortless i want by default i look nice all the time does that at all make
1: sense oh no it, it absolutely makes sense sorry i just it, the garbage trucks here because it's garbage day and it's not nine o'clock they're early oh i don't know if i should wait until they're done doing whatever the f- they're doing outside i don't know what he's doing he's digging around in the, in the bushes whatever The guys a weirdo um, I have, I have a, a, an arbitrage idea, if you will. I say we hit up the Alibaba, uh, purchase up a bunch of just totally bland jeans, put our own holes in them, sell them for $200 a piece. I'm so down. Brilliant. Right. We buy like a $7 pair down. of jeans, slice a couple of holes in them somewhere here and there. Boom. No, Here, there and there. Here and there. Here and there, right. Great. Just just kinda just go slice, 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 chop, 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 you know. Right, shoop, just shoop. like that. Shoop, shoop.
0: You have to say that while you're doing it though. Slice, shoop, slice, slice, slice.
1: Yeah. Get swifty, Dylan. Right. Get swifty.
0: But I am definitely not the person that wants I mean, I want it, but I'm not gonna spend a thousand dollars on a pair of shoes. No. You can As a man, you absolutely can do that. Because no. high quality that exists there but i'm trying to find like the benchmarks for the dollar right so like if you get to the 200 to 300 dollar range for shoes for men that's like really good that's like a real nice sweet spot mm-hmm. 5 to 600 is a really really good sweet spot but like that's way high quality yeah um which is awesome but like i only need a certain amount of quality right so it's not like maximize quality period like you can do that all day long endlessly um, I don't think it's worth that because now it's just taking up too much of your time. <laughs> it's not I, really
1: efficient. I kind of feel that way about watches. It sounds okay. strange to say, cause I have an Apple watch, but, um, you know, I guess even to an extent it kind of bleeds into my annual or, uh, every other year purchase of Apple watches in that, you know, I, I, I've worn mostly aluminum, the, the basic aluminum watches for their entire existence ever since, well, entire existence in my life since series three. And, you know, they looked fine, but I was never really like a fan of like the style. Does that make sense? Like it, it looks sure. like a good piece of equipment, but it doesn't, it doesn't like, ha, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. doesn't have that, that, that emotional sure. visual awesomeness to it, I guess. It's the, the, um, th- that Danish word, but for watches. I don't know. Um, so I, I decided to, to bump it up a notch this year and go with, the, uh, with the, the stainless steel, right? And I was immediately impressed with how much, like, yes, it was twice the price, fine. But it looked like it was a lot more than that just because of the, the change in the way the material looks going from that matte, that basic matte finish to that reflective finish the, the way the material felt like the way the way the dial feels now also being titanium like all of those little things put together it feels a lot more expensive than the $6.99 that I paid for it
0: right yeah no it totally makes sense and, and what's funny is a lot of luxury items I was talking to somebody at the conference I was at this weekend and she basically does this with like luxury brands and uh She was like, Yeah, I just get them on Poshmark, wear them and sell them back on Poshmark and make some money. (laughs) She was like, But I get to wear Gucci sunglasses for free. You know, um, basically what I was doing with watches, like trading watches allows you to wear very expensive watches for, you know, either no money if you're breaking even or profitably. Um, She's basically doing that with clothes. I'm like, That's genius. I'm like, You know, (laughs) tell me if you can find a male version of that because I'm down. Um, But there's always these weird hacks with luxury items where you can you can either turn them into assets which is like watches can be an asset if you approach it right get the right brands the right models they they actually hold value intrinsically um two you can make them semi-profitable which is a little bit different than treating it as an i mean yeah it's an asset but more commodity-based approach um it's just it's interesting man There, there there are things that the the luxury market has such high markups and you can look this up like look up like Maserati versus a Ferrari retail markup it's insane absolutely insane uh, i think Maserati last I looked the retail market was like 94 grand and then Ferrari was like 200 <laughs> like that's the markup so there's a lot of room there after depreciation so prime example apple watches will have this so you don't have to if you're okay not getting it the day it gets released you wait for the person who gets it, doesn't fully love it, and they go to sell it. Guess what they're not going to sell it for? $6.99. It's used now. But there's literally no difference, right? Like it is used because it was worn. But there's no difference. As long as it's still the same software, it's not completely destroyed. It's the same watch. But now in a month or two, that watch is going to be worth what? Five? Probably 4 $4.50? So why pay the $6.99 when you can get it kind of half off, you know, to a certain degree, given a little bit of time. And so a lot of these luxury items people will buy at full retail. And if you're just patient enough, wait for the secondary market to pick up, you're good. Like I know a few people that do this with um, like Gucci and Louis Vuitton bags. They're like, Yeah, I want a Louis Vuitton speedy bag, but I'm not gonna pay the however many thousands of dollars is worth uh at retail. I'm gonna go to a secondary market get it authenticated and pay like half the price and what's great is if you purchase it correctly there are also people who want to do the same thing you just did so when you get sick of it in a month because you realize it's just actually a bag (laughs) you go back to that secondary market and sell it and theoretically you got to you know enjoy a five thousand dollar bag for nothing Mm -hmm. it's awesome
1: So to, to prove the Maserati Ferrari point, I pulled up two tabs, one each of cars.com and I searched for Mm -hmm. all used Maseratis and all used Ferraris within 200 miles, no prices. Um, and there is the first listing that came up. I'm not, it's sorted by best match, not price or anything like that. But the first, the first two that came up for Maserati rather are probably, I don't know, 10 miles from here. There's a 2016 Maserati Ghibli SQ4 in a dark blue at yep. 38,000 miles, it's $33,900. And yep. for scale, that was the price of my brand new 2018 Honda Accord fully loaded. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whereas I move over to the Ferrari tab and I'm searching by best match again here, but the prices are not in the 30s. They are 89, 135, 129. $399, $149, $129, $89, $299. Like you see what you see what I'm getting at here? For, like for,
0: for cars that retailed at $30,0. Grand. So when you see somebody in a Maserati, what's funny is I have been seeing a ton around lately, even in Jacksonville before I moved. And everybody's like, oh man, like that's Maserati. I'm like, dude, they paid less than what you paid for your <laughs> your BMW lease. <laughs> like literally, they didn't buy that brand new. That's stupid. But that that a lot of your maseratis right now even some of the higher end ones um the sportier models are like 40 50 grand
1: right like i would if if i wasn't if, if i wasn't someone so bothered by what the insurance payment would probably be for this i i could reasonably see myself purchasing this instead of my honda just but you know what's funny I is a lot
0: of your a lot of people will think that the insurance and the maintenance costs are going to be astronomical and they can be but here's the thing: a lot of your, your luxury and exotic brands share parts. So it used to be that the maintenance was mad expensive, right? But the simple fact is BMW and Ferrari share similar parts. They're not unique anymore. Um, secondary, the insurance, although it is more expensive than your you know paid off. Fiat, (laughs) it's not so crazy that you like it's not going to be as crazy as you think it is because the simple fact is you're not driving it daily.
1: Yeah. That's where a lot of people get
0: confused. Like, well, (laughs) so I'm not going to drive my Aston Martin daily. No, of course you're not because you're going to add so many miles that you're going to depreciate it even further because luxury items follow a two stage depreciation schedule. The first one is retail, right? The moment it goes from brand new to used, That's where the vast majority of the depreciation of the value goes down. Then it only goes down based on condition and usage. So for watches, it goes down based on condition. That's pretty much it. Cars, it's going to go down based on actual cosmetic condition and mileage. Okay, so if you buy an Aston Martin V8 Vantage for, let's say, sixty grand because a few-year-old, you can do that. Um, If you don't put too many miles on it, basically it's just your little weekend cruise-around car – which is what these are made to be, by the way. You're going to break even on that car because it's literally still an Aston Martin V8 Vantage, and the difference between you know forty thousand miles and forty three thousand miles is really not that much. It's not you're not going to take that big of a hit, and if you buy it correctly, you could theoretically make enough money on the resale that you cover the insurance cost.
1: To prove the point there, I found a, so I was looking originally at a 2016 Maserati Ghibli SQ4 33.9 had 38,171 miles on it. Scroll down a little bit. I find a 2017 Maserati Ghibli SQ4, virtually the same car, right? It's in a different color, but it it only has 12,593 miles on it and it is 10 grand more. Like, like one, the fact that it's virtually the same model year, like that's not going to hurt. I mean, it's virtually the same, just a different model year. Like, that's not going to have nearly as much of an impact as the fact that it had, you know, what twenty six thousand
0: more miles on it. That's it, man. And what's so crazy is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, what if something breaks? That's why you get a PPI inspection before you buy it. You're you're not going to buy an exotic or luxury car or item the way you would just going to CarMax. Like, that's not how this. Like, no, you literally take it to a different dealer, pay them one hundred and fifty bucks, and say, do a PPI inspection, please. And they will go through and tell you everything that is wrong with it. And then you get to negotiate if you're like, oh, the gas the gas gets jacked up on something. Okay, cool. Well, well I'm going to factor that into the price, right? Or if they're like, no, this thing is clean. You're good. Okay. As long as you're not literally like flooring that car, you're fine. <laughs> Again, you're not driving it daily, right? But this applies to watches too. Exact same thing, right? So – in um, Omega Seamaster Planet Ocean XL, let's say it's going to retail for probably s- a little over six grand, probably like six and a half. Um, some will retail, I believe, right at like sixty seven hundred. That same watch you can buy on the used market for twenty five hundred, and if you want to buy it profitably at two grand, these are the types of market or markups that 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 you can see. And so there are literally brands where on the used market trade at twenty cents on the dollar from retail. And we're not talking like beat up, doesn't have book. No, I'm talking like they have the original books and papers, like warranty cards, letters of authorization, um, literally where they were purchased from, booklets, everything. And yeah, I get some of this stuff can be fake, but honestly, it's not done as frequently as you think it is for certain models. Um, But that, and it's the exact
1: same watch, perfect condition. I have I have a short story about watches that I can I can actually tell here in this case fun it's, I'm I'm super excited here check this out so <laughs> my uh, my wife's late grandfather worked for HP in the 70s and back in the 70s calculator watches were kind of super cool neat things right yeah so when he worked for HP in the 70s there was I don't I don't know what the backstory is that led him to receive this but HP gave out to at least some of its employees, the I think it's the HP01 watch. You can Google that. Okay. It's it's It was a, a gold, silver. Like, it came in a few different colors. Um, it's like your typical, like, 70s-era look and watch, right? Like, yeah. Like, it came, like, right out of Scarface, but it's a calculator, right? Like, if you imagine, nice. <laughs> you know, Tony Montana wearing a calculator on his wrist, this is what it would right. look like, right? And when we were going through all of his things after he had passed you know to kind of get like a, a value of stuff for you know for the auction and all that, and for the estate and whatnot um somebody had found this and they're like oh this looks like a neat thing and i'm like do you even understand what you have here right now like they didn't make these in bulk like in mass right. production these were not mass produced things right and so i, I started explaining i'm like look the like this is a four-figure item right here. He never wore it. It had all the original documentation. Right. Like, the, like the felt case was, like, total shit because it wasn't designed to last 40 sure. years, right? But it had stayed in that box for 40 years. It had never been used. It never, like, there was no no wear on it whatsoever. It was just just existing in his home is all that it had experienced, right? So... They gave it to me and said, Well, if you can get a thousand dollars for it, that would be awesome. And I'm like, challenge accepted because at the, <laughs> at the time, at the time I knew it was going to be worth something. I didn't know exactly how much, right? So then I, I, I went looking and I found replacement batteries for it. I found somebody that 3D printed the tool to take the back off, which was a custom tool, right? A little like $9 disc with prongs on it that you stuck on the back and just twisted it in a certain way. So I bought like the $9 tool. I bought like $6 in batteries. Flawless worked perfectly so i took it to a shop here that in the area that you know buys gold and coins and watches and jewelry and stuff like that right and i was like you know what do you think and they're like we'd only take it for about a thousand dollars because the owner likes this kind of stuff and i'm like "Mm,
0: if they're gonna pay you a thousand retail is gonna be like two
1: i think i could do a lot better than this so that i went to ebay of all places i didn't even try anything else i just went straight to ebay and i sold it the next day for twenty two hundred dollars yeah see just like that and i just pulled it up now and people are selling them on ebay for way more than that like if i had been if i had been a lot more particular and a lot more picky i could have probably gotten three for it right, right. but selling selling pricey stuff on ebay ebay gets a little squirrely so yeah they do. I, did, <laughs> I was like i didn't i didn't want to poke the bear too much so i just just like that like i took like no effort whatsoever and i doubled my money right now of course after the fees and all that stuff it was more like 1800 but like that's still almost double what the uh what the the jewelry store was going to give me for it and i don't know part of me wishes i would have kept it like if i I just bought it myself and just held on to it because it it is a really neat thing and it was never mass-produced like they're there were variants of it like the gold one was the most common but if you happen to get like the the silver the titanium like that was like the limited edition version of oh that's it. you know cool. like yeah. it was like the like the one one out of a hundred was like the like the silver or titanium or whatever right. it was right so like you that's like a six thousand dollar item you know what i mean but like that was i think in some way that's kind of what secretly started my obsession with combing through auctions looking for like little hidden gems to flip right and what you know like my most recent example the the two-way radios which doesn't sound like a super interesting thing at all but just because i happen to know uh, like three things about two-way radios um, a party store went out of business here in the area and they you know they had a, a fleet of like business two-way radios with four or six frequencies, right? The, the, the things you'd see people wear like Target or Best Buy, stuff like that, right? Those little little basic things with the headsets, you know, nothing too particularly fancy. But the thing about business radio is that they're not cheap at all. Like that market is nuts, right? So this these were the Motorola CLS 1410, which doesn't mean much to most people, but they sell new, a single radio for $180, and i picked up at least 12 of them used for five and a quarter what's the used market on them the so so going to ebay people buy these on ebay it seemingly all over the place um my the first thing i do to check is i go to, straight to the sold listings to see how fr- how frequently and what they sold for they're just, they're selling constantly and somebody sold a lot of 12 for like twelve hundred dollars <laughs> so if they all work and they all have the chargers and they all still have the docs and stuff like that i'm i've doubled my money just instantly that's right that's
0: what yeah that's why i text you i was like you want some more capital
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> insane like, dude it's i only got into it because i knew these things are expensive radio people love these kinds of things but they're definitely not going to pay 180 dollars new for them but they will they will they understand a good deal, right? Like, I, I mentioned to a co-worker who is really big and, like, the ham radio scene and whatnot, I was like, hey, I have I, I have a line on a bunch of these radios. And he's like, can I have them? <laughs> like, he just, like, wants them. And I'm like, dude, no. <laughs> like, no, like, I have a plan for these. You can buy one off of me. But, like, you know, people like that, they the, the people that understand what they're, what they're seeing know immediately that there's value there. Just because... the the retail price is just stupid right right you would never buy a maserati but you would happily buy one for 30 grand
0: but this is like what's so crazy is I, i keep researching like different areas i can apply this to so one i know for a fact it applies to um watches exotics um Somewhat to luxury. Luxury is a little bit harder. From a like a luxury car is a little bit different. The markups are slightly different. The markets are slightly different than exotics. Um, but it works with exotic cars. It works with um, with watches. Certain brands they have to be luxury timepieces, not your michael cores crap. Um, but it also somewhat works with like pins, right? So if you're really into like I listen to the Pin Addict, right? Um, and I follow their blog. But if you're really into like high quality stationery, like literally. People do this with Mont Blanc pins that retail for up to $1,000. Like that's a pin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so there's stuff like that that I'm looking at that I would love to have and I want to have. And I'm like, why Why would I pay double the price when it's the exact same item? Somebody just here, – here's how this whole thing breaks down and works. Somebody gets a bonus. They get excited. They go buy the watch. They buy the pen, They buy the car. And then – they don't get that next bonus, and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I overextended myself, and they yeah. didn't know the market, so they paid full retail because they didn't know how the secondary market went. So they went to the the jewelry shop. They they went to their – the local Omega dealer, um, and they purchased that full retail. And then they go to sell it thinking, oh, well, I'm going to get exactly you know – I'm going to get 10% less than what I paid for it. And then they see all the comp listings, and they're like, oh, crap. I'm going to lose 60% of my value. This sucks, but I got to get my cash back, Right. So then somebody like me comes in and says, hey, I'll give you cash for it. Right now, I'll wire you the money. Here's what I'm going to pay you for it. Take it or leave it. Now, I got to wear the exact same watch 30 days after them buying it brand new for 60% off and then resell it for what I paid for it, if not a little bit more, depending on how aggressive I am on, on the acquisition price. This happens all the time. It's insane. It's it's literally, I have, I have friends... Um, that do that full-time that is literally their entire business model it's gorgeous (laughs) it's literally insane
1: yeah no there's definitely a lot of money to be made here if you know what you're looking for right like i you know i still have i still have two of those macbooks from back in the day right oh yeah you know like i i know that they there is some value there and i honestly should you know they're actually like literally stacked behind my printer back off just off camera here um I, I know there's 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 a handful of change still there. Now obviously I need to I need to move on that sooner rather than later, given that new MacBooks always tend to come out. But yep. Um if you know if <clears throat> it's really easy to look at everything and be like, Oh, I could flip that for another dollar, or I could do that for another dollar, or that for another dollar, like you're gonna burn yourself out in no yeah. time at all. But if you if you're selective, about what you acquire and you you have some knowledge about what you're dealing in right like it's when you do find that you know the that that pot of gold so to speak it's you know like i got super stoked when when i saw that i was like oh my god that's instant money right there like right. Uh, yes i am not going to let this one go and fun fact if you're bidding on online auctions like i do through like actual auction houses add $1 to whatever your bid is going to be because most of them have like minimum bid amounts like in this case it's $25, right? So okay. If it's 300, your minimum bid has to be 325. But if you bid 326 like if you set your max bid to 326 and it's at or or something something plus 1, right? Right. So in this case, you know, the the bid at the time was like $80, right? So I set my max bid at like five hundred and twenty eight or something like that so okay. as people are bumping it up by 25 they get up to 525 and it still tells them it's not enough right like it, it it's almost a psychological move nice. because the system tells them that oh somebody still bid higher than you even though but it they think really, it's a large amount right they have no idea what the number is but it's just it, it's still it's still enough to make the system make them think that there's <laughs> someone still spending more than you even though it's three dollars you know um right. I found that to actually be really helpful because got into a small bidding war and then I, st- I started doing it in $26 chunks. <laughs> they gave up pretty quickly and I love it. It's it's the whole That's thing. It's great. Uh, yeah, fun tip of the day. Add a dollar to whatever it is. Um, but my, my only warning is that... <sighs> I don't even know if I would give it a warning, but it's... It's more of just a, you know, heed my 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 words of caution, please. To learn from my mistakes in that if if you see if you see something that doesn't exist anywhere else, like you have a real opportunity to make a more strategic play, right? Like I I still to this day I kick myself over not buying all of the supplies for the for the defunct beer maker. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I will never let myself live that one down because I had an opportunity to basically be the retailer for all those supplies for like the next six months, and I I missed it. And right, you know, I could have probably quit my job based (laughs) on the profit from that. Right. So that's my story about auctions, Dylan. I think it's about time we wrap up this quality program. You know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? It's fifty nine minutes past the hour here. As I look at the clock. (laughs) It's lunchtime. <laughs> it's lunchtime. So you know what, Dylan? You know what you have to do, right? It's it's uh, it's game time. Do you ever it, watch uh, The Office? I've seen all of The Office. Nice, good. I'm
0: on my like 13th round through. Yeah, I think last, last words. One, don't be afraid of being a, a market maker and looking at auctions and finding the opportunities. And two, don't buy luxury items at retail and understand that most of the time, Spending a little bit more will actually save you a lot more. So be, in other words, be strategic in how you approach everything in your life. Don't just look at something that's cheaper and think it's cheaper because that's usually false.
1: Look at that. You were prepared this time.
0: I was ready that time.
1: When I bought my Honda, I bought it with 1,800 miles on it and saved like $9,000. That's legit. <laughs> yep, I love it when the when the um, the middle upper class white ladies have regrets about their car purchase and send them back a month later. and and the that's dealer's awesome. like, I don't know what to do with this weird, oddly customized, specific car, but bark down, see what happens, and now here I am. <laughs> All right, that's ta- great. take us out, Dylan. Give us something good and quippy. 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 Already did. No, you didn't. That was helpful. It's not, not quippy. That's, th- that's different than quippy. It is.
0: Um. Don't be cheap.